everyone, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I have one of my dear friends. Her name is Nina Bouchons, and she is amazing. And it was so wonderful to have her on the podcast because I always discover things about my friends when I actually get to interview them in this setting. And I'm not just having her on because she's a friend. She has written an incredible book called That Sucked, Now What? And it's a real talk guide on personal growth that draws on embracing those sucky times because we all have them while breaking through to those lasting, amazing moments. And I think you're going to be inspired by her story and especially what she talks about in terms of how we trust again over loss. So Nita lost her brother, her mother, and her father all before the age of 19. And one of the things we explore in this podcast, in addition to so much more, is how do you open your heart again after loss? How do you love after loss? And I know a lot of you may be going through that right now or have gone through that in the past. And I think your heart will be really touched by her wisdom. A little more about Nita, Dr. Nita, actually. She's a trained dentist. She's the founder of the Global Grit Institute, a wellness education platform for optimizing well-being and co-founder of the Dharma Institute, a coaching organization training coaches to become the highest version of themselves. You can access all the free gifts for That Suck Now What, her new book at That Suck nowwhat.com. And I'd like to thank my sponsor for the show, which is Organifi, my favorite place to get all kinds of yummy, nutritious things. Today, I want to talk to you about their Organifi Gold. This is an alternative to melatonin. Maybe some of you take melatonin to relax, to go to sleep, which is great. But how about something that's super delicious? Organifi Gold is this awesome turmeric powder mixed with all kinds of other yummy stuff, different mushrooms and adaptogens and all kinds of yummy stuff that you can put in your almond milk, your coconut milk, your regular milk, whatever, heat it up and just savor it. It's so, so yummy and it really can help you with sleep struggles. It's a great melatonin alternative. Melatonin has a half-life, so for some of us, it can leave us feeling a little groggy the next day. So instead, if you're looking for something to just relax you, help you with sleep, help a little inflammation, and that just tastes really, really good, go to Organifi.com slash over it, get your turmeric gold. Well, they don't call it turmeric gold. They call it just gold. <laughs> I call it turmeric gold because it has so much yummy turmeric in it. And add it to your cart and you get 20% off as my listener using the promo code over it. And now on to my conversation with Nita. Nita, my friend, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Oh my gosh, we're doing it. I'm we're so doing excited. It. It's so amazing to celebrate your friends and to have friends that are just rock stars in the world and doing their thing and sharing their gifts. And you are definitely one of them. And I'm just so grateful to have you in my life as a friend. You've introduced me to so many amazing, amazing, amazing people in my life. And I love that you're 10 minutes down the road and my daughter wears pretty much most of your daughter's old clothes. So. Oh my gosh. You know, I still have, I've got a lot more for you. Great. You know? Great. Well, Thank you for having really great fashion sense. <laughs> uh, I am excited to talk to you today about many things, but I want to start with the title of your new book because it's such a great title that I think a lot of people are going to relate to and might have even said themselves, which is that sucked. Now what? So tell me why you titled this book. That sucks. Now what? Oh my gosh. Well, first, okay. So first it's, it's, so it's that sucked and not this sucks because, you know, I think that 
when we are, you know, in the throes and especially like you and I were just talking about it before we kind of like, you know, turn on record that we're in like the throes of motherhood and this whole chapter and book and journey was sparked for me as I entered motherhood. And I'll share a quick story about, you know, that whole unearthing and wild process for me. Cause I feel like you kind of went through something quite similar mm-hmm. and, but I titled it that sucked instead of this sucks. Now what? Because it was a way for me to really acknowledge and give reverence to, well, whatever the shit that's, you know, gone bad in the past, like whatever happened, we cannot control and that we can now give rise to, all right, now what? And it's not to say that we're bypassing anything. Okay. But it's to say, all right, well, I can't change anything of what happened. Um, but I can actually acknowledge that it really hurt and that it, it didn't feel right. And yeah, that I'm, I might still be in it, but to have that awareness piece. Uh, and then now what is like our way to kind of say, okay, let's, let's start to climb out mm. of the suck that we may potentially be in and, and, you know, start to take action and start to reflect on what did actually happen beneath mm. the thread there. Mm. And so, yeah, when I talk about or what really prompted this book was just a culmination of when I entered motherhood, you know, this was like four years ago now, five years ago now, my son's four and a half ish. And that was, I mean, it just tossed me in a different world inside and out. And I have a whole, you know, crazy birth story that I can definitely share and go really into it because, and I write this in my book as well. I needed to reconcile a lot of my fears and fears of motherhood, fears of identity. And, and that's literally what sparked this title and this journey, because even the subtitle, how to embrace the joy and chaos and find magic in the mess. I mean, it was, it was entire, my entire birth process when I, you know, when, when I got pregnant with, um, with my son and I needed to reconcile that for myself. Cause in the very beginning, I was so adamant about, you know, having, this incredible, beautiful, amazing home birth. And we did everything to just have that dream become a reality. And that, I mean, from, I felt like I got a PhD. Mm -hmm. Me too. Home birth. I could have delivered a baby. I could have delivered my baby myself. (laughs) Right. I mean, you really can, right? Because like I had all the affirmations, I had all the books, I had the books of the books and I, you know, like, I feel like, yeah, very, very, very similar. And so But I think that, you know, the universe, he, his soul, whatever our karmic contracts uh, were there, but we, we had a whole complete opposite of that experience. And when I actually went into labor with him, it was a full spiritual process because, and obviously every birth is a full spiritual process. What am I talking about? But I started labor on a Monday well, he wasn't born until Saturday. Wow. So it, yeah, it was one of those. It would, it would start at night and 
it was, um, I think it's like prodromal birth. If I, if I remember that anyways, where you start at night, but then you stop in the morning because you either have other kids to tend to or, or children to tend to, but that's kind of how that, that would happen if it does happen. And it would stop in the morning. Well, I had five days of this and my labor wasn't really progressing. And so of course, and I'm married to, you know, he's, he, my, my amazing husband who Christine, you know, he starts to like, starts to freak out. Mm -hmm. And we had a whole fun situation because then his parents, I love them so much, but then they showed up from India for the first time into the U S. So that was another, you know, incredible, um, challenge for me to sort because I then went into my head on like good girl mode and got to be a good Indian daughter-in-law and try to take care of them because that has been my ammo for my entire life to take care of everyone. And then my, um, caretakers, my aunt and uncle, who've been my bonus parents my entire life, pretty much, uh, they've been a big factor in raising me. They also showed up that Wednesday. So I kind of switched into like my full mindset of, oh my gosh, I have to kind of, you know, take care of people, even though I knew from my midwives, from my doulas, like I knew better. We even had like an Airbnb, right. You know, very close to where we were. Long story short, what I hadn't really reconciled with was some of my greatest fears of actually going to the hospital and some of my greatest Mm -hmm. fears of why I really didn't want to, you know, birth there. And I, and I felt like it was starting to become a reality. And, and this was because for, you know, years and years of my upbringing and growing up between the ages of 10, pretty much 10 to 19, I had visited hospitals and grown up in and out of them because my mom, my brother, my dad, they all passed before I was 19 Mm. and severe, you know, PTSD from hearing terrible diagnosis because my parents both had cancer and just a, just a different walk with doctors. And it's Mm. why I literally went into medicine. I mean, you know, not, not an MD, but became a dentist. And so that part of my life, I was just like, I do not want to ever go back there. I do Mm. not want to smell the walls of a hospital. I do Mm. not want to set foot in there. And crazy that Friday night, my water broke, but I was, I had the, like my sciatica was worse than the actual labor itself. Like mm-hmm. the, I couldn't walk anymore because we were trying to do the walk. We were doing the sexy thing. We were doing mm-hmm. all of it right, to get baby to come down. And he wasn't. And I think it was just, you know, it was probably energetically that my, my fears of just all of these things that I hadn't fully, like I was doing the work, but I wasn't really embodying, mm. you know, the, the, what needed to really birth, which was my fears that I hadn't fully reconciled around, around what was really holding me back. And so that my, my backup OB ended up being in Compton, not mm. in Santa Monica. And for those listening, if you've never heard of where Compton is, well, you had to have, we had to go through three different metal detectors in order to get in. Mm. And by the way, the hospital is beautiful. Just the outside area is probably not the best area. Right. Right. And so we just think that it's the funniest story now as I'm sharing it, because I'm like, wow, the universe really wanted me to fully experience my fears. And the biggest fear was death. The biggest fear was 
okay, you know, the last time I was, I was here was seeing the death of my mom, my brother, my dad, you know, and, and to Mm -hmm. then face this as I'm in my most vulnerable state of having to surrender, having to surrender all these plans and, and, you know, all of these visualizations and ideas. And when I, once I did that, I mean, I then softened into that whole reality of being taken care of by the Filipino nurses and the doctors around me. And this was like, this is a teaching hospital. So then we had people all in the room, but it actually became the most beautiful birth. And mm. honestly, when I got there, he, 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 he came out, I mean, so fast. And so that then would shift my entire uh, perspective because that day meant, well, there could be life again and there could be this rebirth and there could be this re shifting and reclamation of my own story. And, and more so than even, you know, the, the, the death or the grieving of what birth that I could have had, it was more so that like, oh my gosh, I faced my greatest fear. Um, yeah. And so and so that has been, that was literally the impetus of, of the entire book and, and embracing the duality of, you know, the contrast, the contrast of now having this baby and, and having to relinquish control of mm. this idea that, okay, I had to take care of everyone growing up. And now then, you know, the onus being shown on me and, and having to release that and, and say, okay, yeah, I, I need to be mothered. Mm-hmm. I need to be taken care of. And and there was definitely so much resistance around that for sure. Mm. When you say resistance, what do you mean? What came up for you? Yeah. So, so the resistance in allowing people to allowing my, my mother-in-law, for instance, who came all the way from India to, you know, in the 40 day period, you know, in Vedic practice, and of course, many traditions around the world, it's the sitting in period and where uh, typically the matriarchs of the family or the elders, the the women, the sisters, they all come together and they mother the mother. Mm-hmm. And in, in Vedic terms, so basically, because uh, you're, you have a lot of uh, vata, now space in your body. And so there's uh, there's a lot of air there. So they, they basically do many things to keep your body warm. So take, for instance, they put ghee everywhere, literally everywhere, all over your body. Um, you're eating ghee, you're brushing your teeth with ghee. And I'm not, I'm literally not joking. Um, this is like how some of these ancient traditions mm. are. Well, I was fighting her with that. I'm mm. like, oh, you're not going to put ghee in like my ears. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Making me wear a hat. It was what I had Isla and like, it was, you know, Christina's a hundred degree weather. Oh, no. oh God. Come on. <laughs> And she's making me wear a hat and I turn into my most inner rebellious teenager. Mm. So much so she's the most gentle, kind woman you could ever mm-hmm. like with on the planet. And there were moments where I don't know why. And of course, this was part of like the postpartum process as well. I, I definitely deeply had postpartum depression. And I do talk about it in the book as well, because there's just the you know, it's the complexity of 
understanding like your identity and so many things are shifting and it's just a whole whirlwind and everything's coming up and you know my and and this was so visceral for me it was me kind of even perhaps in the form of my mother-in-law in the form of my you know aunt who all of them are just like, we're, we're, we're trying to help you. You know, really they were trying to get me to lactate more. And for whatever reason I wasn't. And, you know, there's so many complications. My, my child Ari had like, uh, what was it? Tongue tie. And then mm-hmm. because I was a former dentist, I'm like, how come I couldn't figure that out? Like there was just so much of like all of this stuff, which is like fully out of my control, fully out of my yeah. control for somebody who like held on to so many things to try to have control, especially when she was growing up because oh, yeah. everything was so chaotic. Everything was so out of control that I was just it, this fully, it just took me in for a loop. And I had to really reconcile some of my emotions that I wasn't okay expressing when I was growing up. And so for me in my teenage years, when a lot of this trauma was actually going down, I was told, you know, Nita, you're strong, you're resilient, and you you got this. We got this. You're, you know, my, my dad would always say, you're Bushin. And, and he, he didn't pass until I was 19, but mm-hmm. through the tragedy of my mom and my brother. I mean, this was, uh, this was, a, a, this was literally, literally through my teenage years. And so I just remember going into this place when my mother-in-law was, was trying to mother me during this time. And in the beginning, so resistant of it, as if I was going back into my inner teenager yeah. of like wanting to rebel and wanting to be like, no, cause I never, I, w- I wasn't able to back then. I was all of that, that part of me was completely suppressed, completely shut down. And, and it was so fascinating to kind of reconcile those, those emotions in that way. And it was, uh, it was, I mean, when I say it was beautiful and magical Mm. and so messy, all of it at the same time, it was, it was truly to be able to understand the contrast. Cause I wouldn't have able, been able to appreciate it if I didn't actually go through those, you know, <laughs> those, those dark times. Yeah. The second time around with Isla was much easier because everyone knew uh, to brace themselves, even myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the very first time was obviously such uh yeah, it was, it was a shit show. Uh, I just, I mean, I, I know you and you're one of my friends, but just hearing your story, it just makes me emotional. It just the fact that you lost your entire immediate family before you were 19. Like I'm, I'm surprised you had a family, mm. you know, mm. how did you get over the fear of losing? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big one. That was big. Uh, that was big, you know, when Ajit and I got together and, you know, I think that, I think that's part of the reason why when I was married for the first time, like in my twenties, that we probably didn't have children and, and start a family. I think also it wasn't the best relationship. It was a very toxic relationship. And I definitely needed to learn so much about loving myself and healing, you know, so many of those wounds. And, and so that, you know, in between that relationship into when I actually finally met Ajit, 
and all of the deep healing and, you know, and, and energetic work, somatics, mm. you know, EMDR, all of, all of it, psychedelics, every, I mean, it just explored all and every available depth of that sort of transformational work to then, you know, cause it's easy to do it alone right. <laughs> as you know, <laughs> as you know, and, and how you and stuff talk about, but it's, it's so much more complicated when you're, when you're doing it in relationship. And I noticed that when Ajit and I got together, I, I knew I was ready to start a family, but there was still a sense of, oh gosh, what if, you know, what if something bad happens? Because that's, that was, that's like the, that is the PTSD for me for sure. The phone call, the, oh my gosh, I got an email, you know, and, and I, I had to retrain my nervous system for years. It's even magnified in some ways now because mm-hmm. we have small children mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. Was, uh, and, and that was a, a huge, a big edge, uh, for me, even, um, you know, postpartum rage, postpartum anxiety, uh, you know, and, and anxiety to the point of, okay, are they breathing? And I had to really be so conscious of like not having, you know, not going all the way there mm-hmm. uh, to thinking that somebody's going to die every five seconds because right. that was like, that was definitely a thing. Right? right. And, but even before getting to that point, it was us having full on conversation about, mm-hmm. okay, like this is, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm working through. And there was a point that he actually, like, we were both like, okay, maybe we don't want kids. You know, I'm like, I knew I wanted my partner and he had also been through, you know, a a previous marriage. And so we kind of went into this relationship very, you know, aware and intentional about how we wanted to do things differently, but also some of the things that were really, you know, the, the woundings that we had that were on our mind. And I think that was the biggest thing to have somebody that was so intentional to hold me right. while I was, and not taking it personally, not, um, not projecting their own ideals and thoughts into kind of my space. He was basically just this, you know, mirror and, mm. and this container for me to express, to get upset, to just mm. push and pull. And he was just like there, he's like, okay, I have, I have all of you like this. Wow going, you know, and, and that was the, that was what really shifted and, and, and then, and yeah, and then we got pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And then it just got easy. No. Oh my gosh. So I I think that a lot of people can relate to, to losing, whether it's through death or abandonment, um, you're scared to love again, you know, and if you do, you grip on very, very, very tightly. So how do you work with like control when it comes up, you know, like wanting to have everything under control and like have your kids under control or your husband, like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you deal with the part of you that often wants to grip on tightly to make sure nothing goes wrong? Yeah. I mean, that's why literally this has become a mantra for me. That sucked. Now what? Mm. And, and to really embrace, uh, you know, so here's the thing, like, I, because things were so serious in the first, you know, part of my life. And I think, um, for so many of us that have these, this, this, this control situation that comes (laughs) up where we need to grip on tightly for things, 
Uh, and I can see this sometimes coming up in even in work and in team things. And, and I used to get like, so uh, just, it would take me out if a team member would have to leave or, you mm-hmm. know, or part ways or whatever, you know, but I would then take it so personally. And I'm like, oh my gosh, because there it goes. The abandonment wound is coming right. up again. Right. And I would constantly go into, oh gosh, what could I have done better? Or mm-hmm. how my leadership could have been better? And this was like evident, so huge. And especially in my first business as a cosmetic dentist. And so, and now, you know, shifting into the play and I had to get there. And one of the ways in which I had to really allow myself to get there was after my divorce, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, six months of yes, saying yes to everything. And one of the biggest things that I said yes to that would fully shift my perspective on, you know, how I even operate in the world was, was improv. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I did it too. It was so helpful. Oh my God. Yes. I I recommend it so much. For crazy type A's, probably like us who are overachievers, who are crazy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) need it. Like, so I, you know, born and raised in Chicago, Second City was Mm. always a thing, Mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of people that I grew up with, went to school with, high school, even college, that was like a dream for them. For me, Mm -hmm. you know, not really was even in my radar. In fact, there was a time where I was so deathly afraid of public speaking, deathly afraid. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't think of that now, but, um, and of course it was part of like confidence things and insecurities. And I didn't really want people to know like my big heavy backstory. Cause you know, you kind of want to be accepted when you're younger and all of that. So, um, so, but yeah, I said yes to an improv class and second city is kind of like the Harvard of of all Mm -hmm. of that. Will then go to you know literally they they literally end up at seconds uh, what is that Saturday, uh, Saturday night, night night, yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. so that was the whole thing and and I took one class which then ended up being you know a six month journey which which fully shifted my life so much so that I'm like why can't we just evoke the sense of play everywhere mm. it changed my leadership it changed the way I spoke it changed the way. And it also, you know, really then had me, uh, take, you know, not just one, but two, I don't think you even know this. I took two stand-up comedy classes. I love it. (laughs) Not that I was trying to be a comedian, but you know, it's, it, it just activates a different part of your brain. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that, you know, like I've learned and this will come up is like, okay, well, when shit happens, yeah, let's, let's play. Can we actually find the fun in it? Yeah. Can we actually like laugh at ourselves? Yeah. And, you know, and, and I've been honestly thinking about this for the last few years. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm ready to do like a five minute, you know, comedy set. <laughs> I will so but, be there. I love it. Yes. Well, because that that literally even saying that right now I'm like okay that's kind of terrifying and because I've done it and it was the hardest thing I could ever do and I did this when I was pregnant with Ari and uh you know it, it, would, it gosh but it's it has you think and if you ever watch for for anyone who's you know really curious about this just watch a stand up comedian 
and they'll take you through, and it's, it's a full transformational process because they'll take you through their low lows, but then they'll automatically then, you know, uh, take you up high mm-hmm. into, you know, a joke and a punchline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and some people kind of argue and say, well, are they bypassing? Well, no, they're actually like, they're living through I mean, the, 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 the good comedians are actually taking you through a whole storytelling experience and where they can actually poke fun at the things that didn't really go well mm-hmm. in their life and, and, and the alchemy around that, the transformation around it uh, and how they've been able to integrate it. So I, I, for, I think that if we can actually make fun of ourselves and say, oh shit, okay, yeah. that's, you know, that sucked. Now what? Um that that's the beauty. That's the magic. And yeah. Finding the magic in the mess. We have to be okay at sometimes like laughing at ourselves. And I, I didn't appreciate this as much until after I became a mom, like mm. hands down, because it was like, oh, okay. Did I just, did I just forget the dirty diaper in, you know, the, like in the bed again? Oh, great. You know, okay. There's poop on my shirt. Yeah. So it's like, there's just all of these little things that you're like, all right, yep. say la vie. Like yep. here's, here's my teaching lesson 30 times a day to yep. just loosen the grip, loosen the grip, loosen yep. the grip. Like, yeah. And yep. I did not have the words for that or the depth of the appreciation for that until I landed, um, here and even more so with, uh, you know, with, with even the second one, uh, yeah. Cause there was no room to like judge yourself or criticize mm-hmm. or like, how could I have perfected that better? How could I have like done that? Even it's just like, it is what it is. It is what it is. It happened, you know? So mm-hmm. we're here. I love what you said. Well, I love all that. And I love what you said about, um, and P.S. We have to do improv games the next time we're all together because that would be so fun. Yes. <laughs> that would be so fun. Yes. Um, but I love what you said about like you activate a different part of your brain when you're in fun and play because I think for so many people that grew up in survival mode, which you did in so many ways, or chaos and we're just bracing themselves, they're in a part of their brain that is not the fun and joy part of the brain. And oh, yeah. that part of the brain gets underdeveloped. And so it's easier to suffer from depression, anxiety, all those kinds of things. And yes, it's because of your past. And it's also just because there are parts of your brain that haven't been exercised because you you couldn't. Like if you're in survival mode and you grew up in a house of chaos, let's just use abuse, for example, there's no room for fun and joy because you you have to think about bracing yourself and oh much how much did dad drink and what's gonna happen tonight and am I gonna get hit? And and in your situation with having pretty much a a sick family member of your immediate family, your most of your life. Like there wasn't, I'm sure there were moments, but there wasn't a lot of time to be a kid, you know? And so I just really acknowledge you for, um, because you are one of the most delightful people I know. You really embody that. You always have this most, most amazing smile on your face and just a, a beautiful, inspiring example of how we can have really significant trauma and loss in our life and life can go on and life can be beautiful and life can be fun and we can create families or dreams or, or whatever we want to create. Like you said, without bypassing because you went through it, you know, you went through the fire mm-hmm. and did all the things and you wouldn't have the life you did if, if you hadn't. Um, so that, that suck now isn't trite. It's really, it's simple and it's profound because sometimes the now what is 
well, now I need to heal. You know, I, I drew this experience in and now I need to like go do some EMDR or somatic therapy. And sometimes the now what is I need to do improv. And sometimes the now what is I need to have some lunch, you know, like it, it just, it, it depends on it, but I love the, the forward thinking of it. And the like, let's not get stuck in victim and let's not get stuck in harboring ourselves. Cause I, I did, I did not realize that when you have a child, you also birth guilt. Like I knew, mm. I knew worry was going to be there, but I did not expect the amount of guilt at all. Like oh. at all. Um, yep. and so I've really had to be like, cause now I know so much more and I would have done things differently when she was first born. Mm-hmm. Um, I le- I've said mm-hmm. this on the show before I learned everything about birth and nothing about having a newborn, <laughs> like nothing. I was so unprepared. Um, I was just like, whatever, I just keep her alive. You know, I'm, I'm smart. And I, you know, I, anyway, I'm going to, that's, this isn't yeah, about me, no, I, but you know what I mean. No, I, I totally feel, I, I feel you 100%. I mean, it's so, so similar. You're right. Like, wait, I thought we were just preparing for the birth. What happened? <laughs> That's why it's like, how come I didn't know about the tongue tie thing? I'm a trained professional. <laughs> I know. And you know, I went through that whole journey too. What, uh, what, how I wanted to land this point was that like, when we have those, you know, sucky moments, those, that, that forward thinking is so important and we can't get trapped in this shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Cause I find myself in that quicksand of using information I know now to go back and beat myself up for information that I didn't have then. And all it does is pull me backwards and keeps me from the present moment. So for people listening that are with, they're dealing with a little regret you know, they're stuck in something in the past. They really wish something in the past would have been different. What are some tangible things they can do to get out of the past and start moving forward? Oh, yes. I love this. So, I mean, in the book I talk about, uh, there's, uh, there's four ways to actually, what I call to, to build your radical, self-awareness and really strengthen what I call your bounce factor. And it goes into the first aspect is to actually go into your, your upbringing, go into what didn't work well, what was going on. And you don't have to go all the way back if, you know, if it's not aligned for you, but many times how we're relating in relationship, what experiences we're drawing into ourselves. Many times it, it, these are, these are patterns. These are patterns either we had from, you know, our upbringing or different relationships and we're still kind of attracting these types of things. Right. So that's the first thing is to really make peace and, and perhaps maybe even forgive what didn't go well in our past. And the second part to that is let's explore the current environment that you're at. Are you in a safe space where you feel supported? You feel nourished by your community. You feel safe. And if you, if, if you don't, then do you have support? Do you have a coach, a therapist, you know, other tools, people around you, you know, we, we can definitely heal all by ourselves. but what about in community with others that really support you, that really love you? And you don't need more than one or two people that really see you. And can you allow yourself to be seen by them? But there's also a second part to that is also really recognizing, okay, how can I invite more good stress? And what I mean by that is, 
can you explore your edges of discomfort, especially when you are in a suck and you're in a sucky moment when you're like, I don't know if I can really get out. Well, can we challenge ourselves to either feel that experience go deep in the emotion or can you actually go and take an improv class because it scares you or you want that new experience of finding new community. So you're going to go to that retreat or you're going to go to that networking thing or, you know, say yes to something new and just kind of get out of that circumstance or take a trip, you know, somewhere by yourself for the first time and not need somebody else to go with you. But, but can you invite more of that good stress? And then the third is your emotional capacity to feel, to, to journal, to whatever tool in your toolbox that can get you out of that space to literally take action. And it doesn't have to be a huge giant leap. It can possibly be, okay, what, who is it that I want to become? What is it that I want to become? What is it that I, and and just literally, you know, start journaling it or communicating it even to just a friend or even to yourself, record it something, but take a small action step. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be world changing, but just a small action step. Because many times when we take these small action steps out of our suck and we're consistent with them, it starts to become, you know, a different habit. And we start to really feel nourished and complete by that. And then finally, our radical self-awareness, our RSA to say, okay, how am I actually feeling today? Am I, am I, am I actually like, am I honoring what I need and actually really asking, do I, am I going to go to this thing because, because it's an obligation or because I really, I, I, I really need to be around people right now and, and being around people will actually help my situation and help me get out of my stuck or my suck at this point. Mm. I love that. I love that. You know, I want to go back to the loss thing because I feel like there's a lot of people that just feel my audience on that one. And I know that your story touched a lot of people. So for someone that's just like so afraid to open their heart again, I was actually on one of our programs is Be the Queen and it's, it's a program for calling in love. And a woman was talking about how she, this is something we hear common all the time, you know, has gotten hurt before and is just so afraid to open her heart because her heart just feels so broken. And you you shared your journey of everything that you did, but I just feel like you have something that could be really comforting to people that are just so afraid to open their heart because I think, I don't know, I feel like they need to know that even if it gets broken again, like mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. Like you're going to be mm-hmm. okay. You know? So what would you say from your perspective on that? Oh man. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it is hard to be in, in heartbreak. And I think the biggest thing is, I mean, you know, I, I shared my time of saying yes. And I think so much of it, and I'm sure you talk about this and be the queen as well, but when I started actually saying yes to even dating myself and really saying, okay, if I want to attract someone that doesn't 
break my heart or, or if I give my heart, like, am I going to get it broken again? Or am I going to experience loss again? And while that might happen, what if, you know, your magical love story is right around the corner? Mm-hmm. And what if we're actually saying, hey, you know, if I want somebody that is loving, if I want somebody present to myself right now, am I actually loving and adoring myself right now? And what are the ways that I can actually open myself up to that? Because that was what I really needed to get clear on is, is if I want somebody that's vulnerable, if I want someone that's honest, because I'm so afraid of opening up my heart and getting it completely shattered, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. How do I need to show up? I needed Mm -hmm. to be that vulnerable person. I needed to be and maybe even go first. And that's where kind of, you know, we, when we're leaning into our emotional capacity, our stretch zone to really feel, and yes, it's going to be tender. Yes. It's, it's going to be scary. Yes. It's going to feel completely uncomfortable, but to know that you as a person is then allowing allowing and showing and being tender at the same time, because those feelings are coexisting. That's where the magic happens. Mm, That's where the beauty happens. Mm, And that's where, that's where the greatest love story can actually really live with you and pour into them than others. But it's Mm. it's you first. Oh, well, that's such a beautiful, that's a beautiful place to end. I could talk to you forever. But that's such a. I know, I know. Um, It's such an inspiring place to end. Well, you talked a little bit about what people can get from the book, but if you share a little more about who this book is for and what it can help with, that'd be great. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, that sucked. Now, what is really to help anyone who's been through the the suck moments of divorce, of loss, of betrayal, of of just the the woes of of life that sometimes can take us out, sometimes can take us out so hard that we can't breathe. And I know that I've been there. I know that I've lived through it. And I know that uh, the steps in this book will not only help you build what I call your audacious resilience, but not just for your toughness, but to actually have that compassion, that softness with yourself. Mm-hmm. And for your next evolution and that maybe your now what could be a way to fly forward past those circumstances, past those sucky moments, past those setbacks to a life that you really love and you really embody and perhaps even find love again. And that feels fun and playful. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. And when you actually, well, when the audience actually orders the copy of the book at thatsuckednowwhat.com, they get two incredible bonuses. So they actually get the 44 page guidebook, which is a full, like we've got prompts, we've got journal entries, and we actually go into some of these uh, deeper concepts that we've been kind of sharing in the Mm. book around loss, around any anybody who's going through kind of transitions in life and also a five day healing practice. So affirmations and, and guides and visualizations to actually help heal some of 
our most precious commodities and our energy and bringing back to ourself and taking action after those sucky moments. So mm. all amazing goodies for your audience. All right. And that's at thatsuckednowwhat.com? Correct. Awesome. Awesome. And where can people connect with you? Uh, oh, come and say hi. I'm on Instagram, IG at Nitha Bhushan. Amazing. Thank you, Nita. Thank you for just being a, such an inspiration to everybody listening. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being such a loving, supportive friend for me. I'm so grateful to you. Oh, my gosh. I'm so grateful for you as well. Thank you all. And uh, so amazing to be here, love, with you. 